gentlemen, welcome to the Extraordinary Family Life Podcast. We are your hosts, Greg and Rachel Denning. We just got back from the magical land of Scotland. Well, specifically the Scottish Highlands. Yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since we've done an episode. Not just because we went to Scotland, but before that we did a youth retreat here in Portugal. Youth retreat, yeah. And you guys, it was awesome. So we had two weeks. So we we hosted a retreat here at our house. Um, Wow, epic! Went paddleboarding. It was on the beach. Discussions. It was really powerful too. I mean, at least the feedback that we received was that it was pretty well life changing. Special. In fact, um, I just got a message this morning from one of the dads. He's like, "Dude, let me know whenever you're doing anything else for youth. Not only am I sending my daughter to the went, but I'm going to send my son too. Like, we're sending them back. They're coming. Let me know." Which and, I am planning a couple more. They've got, yep. got some in the works. Here. And then, um, yeah, got other ones. We had some new people who came and joined us. <laughs> and they were like, whoa, this is amazing. Well, At first they were like, okay, no, this is a little At first they were bit, like, what? what? What is this? You guys what's are What's going crazy. on here? I thought I was coming on like a vacation. <laughs> My parents didn't really tell me what was happening. But by the end, yeah, they. They're like, we're in, man. This is awesome. It's such a transformative cool. experience. So cool. And so then, then we led a trip for families um, to Scotland, to the Scottish Highlands. And it was le- legit. I, I keep Scotland. I keep using the word magical. And, <laughs> and I think we were all surprised how much we love it. It's one of our new favorite countries. Yeah, I love the, it. The highlands, the beauty, the wonder, the waterfalls, the mm. mountains and the forests and the, the heather all across I the moor. The and the, I guess you'd call them fjords uh, up there. And then islands. The locks and, is what they are. Yeah, well... Oh, They're man. like fjords. It, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. So, so fun. Again, and transformative as well. Um, we, we have these great discussions. So we don't, so those of you guys who might be new to us, we go out, we're, we're not just going and like checking the boxes, doing a little tourist thing, like, oh, that was cute, that was fun, whatever. Like we're intentional we about. Do, we do some of that. Having transformation, like how an experience can change us for the better. And we're facilitating these conversations and experiences that expose us to inspiration and challenge. So we challenge ourselves physically and mentally, emotionally, spiritually, socially, all of it. So that it just creates this openness and these mm-hmm. adventures and these memories. And then we go home better people. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I love it. And man, it's, it was so cool. One morning, one evening, we all ran down and got in this river in Scotland, a little cold plunge. And this, there was a fisherman there looking at us like, you guys are out of your minds. And we all just bomb in this river. And then the next morning, we went and got in the ocean. It was just perfectly still, like this picturesque bay with actually white sand beaches. I never yeah. would have thought that would happen in Scotland. But these white sand beaches, calm, glassy water. It was really cold. But we just went in there, and that's how we started the day, with a nice cold plunge. In the ocean. Mm-hmm. Oh, magic, man. Just magic. It was so, so fun. So, anyways, uh, super excited. Our trips are almost full for Kilimanjaro in February and Mongolia in July. So, there's a couple spots in each of those. You guys are interested in bucket list, life-changing experiences and adventures, man. Come along. Come along for the adventure. It's awesome. But... While we were there, while we were traveling around, uh, there was our little six-year-old and then another little six-year-old from the wonderful family that came with us, and they got in this little um, debate. It's kind of awkward. Yeah, it was really awkward because <laughs> they got in the debate about Santa Claus. And so what it does, like, and we, we love this. Rachel and I love this because we go out, we have experiences, whether we're you know, out with our kids or we're out just having an adventure experience, whatever, and it, it sparks an idea, and it reminds us of things that we decided long ago or things we've tried or experimented with or changed. And then it, what it does is it sparks the conversation. Like, oh, yeah. And so then it makes us want to share thoughts about it. And so their little conversation about Santa Claus, like, it's like, oh, we, we should talk about that in a podcast. So that's why we're doing well, it. Well, I think it's always interesting. And this happens, this happens with traveling. It definitely happens when you travel with other people. And this is one of the benefits Although sometimes it can be, like I said, awkward or uncomfortable or 
whatever else, is that you, you get exposed to new ideas, new places, new things, new concepts, new you, how, ways that people do things differently. That's true for us. That's true for the other people coming. We're being exposed to each other. And I think a lot of times in life we try to avoid that. We try to avoid people that think differently than us or have different ideas or do things differently. Um, but in traveling, you know, that's one of the benefits. And it, it is really powerful when we can come in contact with those differing ideas or viewpoints and then use it to evaluate, like, where, how did we come to those conclusions? Why do we think that way? And, and we do this all the time. We, I mean, we do it constantly. This was just another reminder of, of something we have done in the past and reminding us why we came to that viewpoint and, you know, how, how it's working and what, what benefit, if any, it has. And so we kind of just wanted to talk through it because it's, again, sparked a conversation for us. And we want to, that's what we like to do is have the conversations here on the podcast so we can share, you know, what we're thinking or learning. And um, we, we've always, always tried to be extremely respectful to other people's beliefs and traditions and ways and of ideas doing things and, and, and not contradict. And we try to keep our kids... Um, Rachel was driving, the little ones were in the back, so she couldn't, like, intervene yeah, and so, mediate <laughs> the debate. So I'm driving, and this conversation comes up about Santa Claus. Now, if any of you know us, I think you know we don't, we've never taught our children to believe in Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy or anything like that. We've we'll, always, we'll come back to that. We're going to come why? back to this about why. We've always been very straightforward with our kids about what's real and what's not. Like, what's true and what's just make-believe. And, you know, we've... We've taught our children to be respectful about that, um, but they also have not had a lot of exposure with people who, I guess, have differing beliefs in that way because, you know, we've been traveling in foreign countries, Muslims and other backgrounds, and they haven't been to public school where you come in contact with people who believe in, you know, like believe in Santa Claus and you don't. So I guess the point is, like, especially our youngest, which this is who it happened with, she hasn't talked to a lot of people that actually believe in Santa Claus. And so, but she's also a very strong personality. Like, she came out of the womb that way. She was, she came out born knowing exactly what she wanted, exactly how to get it. And she's, you know, she's always just had this very strong personality. Which we love and facilitate and, and nurture, encourage. Right. And so she's, very, she's starting to get a little heated in this debate of, no, you're, you're wrong. Santa Claus is not real. <laughs> like, it's your parents. And poor Rachel's up there and I'm driving, driving on, the, say, on the left-hand side oh, yeah. in Scotland, like trying to the right really focus. right-hand side of the car, left-hand si left side of the road. You know, I'm trying to drive. And she's back here trying to, again, she's trying to stand up for what she yep. knows is true. Yeah. And I don't want to discourage that either, but at the same time, I don't want her to, like, break this poor kid's little heart. Yeah. <laughs> and really, that's his parents' job, to reveal that there's not a Santa Claus, right? So, I, and I guess I bring that up, because had we been next to him, we could have just intervened and diverted it and right. gone away and, and left it alone. But because nobody was back there to intervene, they just went after it. So anyways, it was it was awkward for Rachel. She was, after she was like, oh, they're back there debating in the back about Santa Claus. I'm like, oh, man, because I was driving the other van. But anyways, it, what it did is it sparked the idea that we want to talk through that really you and I started talking about, gosh, probably when we were even engaged. We, we were having these kind of conversations and really thinking through this. And I was extremely thoughtful about the kind of parent I wanted to be because of the situation I grew up in with with uh, my parents getting divorced and stepdads coming and going and then I ended up living with other families and living in bad neighborhoods and seeing all kinds of domestic disasters, domestic dumpster fires. Mm -hmm. And so I was very, very thoughtful and then we were reading like crazy. Both of us were reading like crazy and so we started to shape our uh, ideas and it really was this foundational piece of like the, the most important work that you and I will ever do in our lives is in the walls of our own homes. It's our marriage and our parenting. And 
I don't. I, I genuinely believe that there's just nothing more important than that. Mm-hmm. It is so profound, so powerful. It goes for generations. It's what shapes the earth. It's just these families. Like it's a, a man and a woman getting married, loving each other, serving each other, caring for each other, can, taking care of each other, and then raising the next generation. These children to be thoughtful and considerate, and and have that influence. Now, parenting only works. I, I want to do an entire new course on this whole concept that parenting is a very specific skill set. It's an extremely specific skill set. And it doesn't carry over. This is, has always been a conundrum for me. And for years, I was just so confused. I'm like, why? Like, I would know somebody well. And I'm like, they're such a great businessman. Or she's such a great leader or teacher. Or... Man, he is so good with, with the people in his congregation or the people in the community, like whatever, whatever it is. Like they were so good at it, and then I would observe, like, oh man, they are, they are not good at parenting. But first, I didn't realize. I'm like, wait, why? How can you be a really good person and a, like credit parenting, or how can you be a really good leader and and not very good with your kids or a great speaker or teacher? And I realized, oh, it's, it's a very, very specific skill set. Oh, and please don't misunderstand here. So we're not talking about the parenting of the family that's with us. We're Like, don't confuse that. If any of you are thinking like, oh, this is a parenting criticism. It's not. I just brought up the topic. So I get thinking through this. And, I mean, we might compare it to a very specific skill. Maybe you are a phenomenal pianist. And like, oh, my goodness, you have so much musical talent and ability. Here, play this cello. And it's like, like what? Hey, what? What's going on? Like you're, you can read music, you're phenomenal on the piano. Like, just play this cello, and it doesn't carry over. Or you might just be a phenomenal athlete, just tons of athleticism, a phenomenal basketball player, or a runner. Like you just, you're so great. And we're like, hey, put on these rollerblades, and you're falling all over the place. Or pick up this tennis racket and you hit the tennis ball out of the court. You're like, wait, what's going on? Like, you're such a great athlete. Why, why aren't you good at this? And it's yeah. because it's so specific. Right. And there's definitely crossover. Like, having athleticism or different, you know, re- being able to read music, that definitely can cross over into these other areas. But there are still a specific set of skills you need to gain in order to become good at that specific thing. And so that's kind of the comparison you're trying to make here is you can be a great person. You can do great things. But to be great at parenting, there are specific skills you need to gain that are specifically related to parenting, yep. which is why we can sometimes see these seeming incongruences yep. of like, this is an amazing person, they turn, they're an amazing leader in their church or whatever, and yet it their just, parenting it, sucks. It doesn't or, work at Or their kids just yeah. don't seem to be, quote unquote, turning out, yep. right? Exactly. And you're like, why? Well, often, more often than not, the reason is they haven't picked up those very specific skills of parenting and strategies right. so skills strategies. and strategies so all of that was just a lead into today's topic to one of the strategies yeah, one strategy that we picked up and, and you, have used you have to, like if you're ever going to succeed with parenting you have to learn the skill of influence and a major part of that so we're like we're zooming in here so now it's a sub talk of subtopic of influence and then a subtopic of getting your kids to believe and listen to well let, let me reverse that to listen to and believe what you say and to trust what you say and trust what you say so that's where we're going today and and the the Santa Claus conversation was sparked this like oh yeah we should talk about this like we should do a podcast on this this one specific topic in parenting of Getting to a place where your kids listen to you and believe you and trust you, mm-hmm. right? And we started on this early on. I, I think with a, I, at least I did. I, no, you did too because of things, you, the way you grew up as well. But, man, I had extremely intense um, feelings about this, perspectives, opinions about mm-hmm. this idea of being truthful in all ways and honest, no, no facades, no faking, because uh, so much of what I saw, uh, like I would see people were fake and phony. 
they would say one thing to one person and then I'd be standing there and then they'd say the exact opposite thing to someone else. And as a kid, I'm standing there like, are you kidding me? They, the, the doorbell rings, they open it up and they put, oh, hey, hi, oh, yeah, what, blah, 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 you know, this big show, close the door. And I'm like, that, that was, what a total lie. That was so bogus. And, and so I, I constantly saw these examples of the facade, the mask, the two-faced. And then, of course, we've all seen it, the gossiping, the backbiting. You, you treat someone to their face one way and then behind their back just say wretched things. We've all observed that. And, man, I just came to absolutely abhor that. So I made a commitment going into our marriage. Mm-hmm. Now, so Rachel, I'm like, oh, okay, never, never, ever, ever, ever am I going to, like, pull the wool over on my own kids. Or anyone else while my kids are observing. Like, I'm just going to be me. Mm-hmm. In public, in private, what you see is what you get. I'm going to be across the board. This is what, what, how I'm going to be. I'm never going to lie to them. I'm never going to deceive them. I'm never going to water down things. I'm never going to, like, sugarcoat stuff. I'm, and, and we do this with kids all the time because we, we think they can't handle it or whatever. We make up these bogus stories like somebody... You know, something terrible happens in your neighborhood or in your church congregation or in your own family. And instead of telling your kids the truth about this individual's behaviors that led to those consequences, you make some story up about, oh, well, they're having this thing. There was this little stuff. And you make up the story that's not true. And so ultimately, it leads to distrust. Well, okay, so basically we came into marriage with, you had this idea, this belief of being what we now call congruent we wanted our outward public behavior to match up with our private behavior now i would just as a disclaimer like i would say there's definitely things that's private behavior that is going to remain private behavior like it's just going to be that way i'm never going to use the bathroom in public right like (laughs) that's just something i would never do if i you know I wouldn't use the bathroom in public. We wouldn't make love in public. Those types of things. Like, there's always going to be private behavior. So there are things that are always going to be private behavior, and that's okay. You don't have, you know, some people think in the name of being authentic, you have to, like, put everything out there. Like, Go take a dump in a public place. Right. Or, like, for me, crying is something I do to my husband. I cry to him because he's someone who can help me with my problems. I'm not going to just cry on Instagram because... These people can't help me. And to me, that's not being authentic. Being authentic isn't putting everything out there. It's putting out what's what's appropriate and appropriate. what is true and honest, but also appropriate for public behavior type thing. So in that, in that framework, we seek to be congruent as much as possible, right? Yes. We're, we're going to have our private behavior be equal to our public behavior except for when it's not appropriate. Um, yeah, that's, this is maybe, that's maybe a different podcast. a little podcast side tangent. Tangent, but, but sometimes we get confused. Like, <clears throat> there are, like, our, um, there are things that are private and should be private. Right. But that's not an excuse to hide terrible vices and addictions. Yeah. Like, well, it's my private, it's me personal. Like no, you're hiding something horrendous, especially any dishonesty or for malicious behavior. People hide it all the time, and and then their public persona is all oh, this, that, and the mm-hmm. other thing's great. And you're like, no, man, you're you're like you're a cesspool of problems, and then you're hiding all of that and and saying, well, it's just my private life. And, and right. Maybe that's a different it topic. Can get- it can be totally misused and misaligned. Right. But there are some very few private things. But we wanted to be just congruent and completely honest because I wanted to have appropriately massive, honest appropriately honest I wanted to have massive influence with my children so and okay. everyone so I have to speak the truth because any instance and this is where I think we're going any instance of dishonesty deceit um, incongruence or a, a watering down, mm-hmm. it, gets, it gets fuzzy, or you feel like any any of you, anytime your children feel like any of that has happened, whether they cognitively process it or not, 
it's going to create some neural connections that said, hey, what, they, they weren't straight with me. Mm-hmm. They weren't straight with me. And even if that's subconscious, later on, when, if you do it when they're toddlers, when they're teens, there's just going to be this warning in their brain saying, eh, right. I'm not so sure. I'm not sure if I can believe them because they've been, they've been dishonest or they've withheld the truth from me or they've done it to others in my presence. Mm-hmm. So if you, maybe you don't do it straight to your kids, but you do it with others and they see that, they're like, hey, wait a minute, you, you said this about so-and-so and then when they came over, you said something totally different. Like, they, they, kids see that mm-hmm. and they record it. It's recorded in them. Right. And they can't articulate it or put their finger on it, but it is it does become a part of this subconscious programming that then plays out in the teenage rebellion that we see or the the other issues that you know parents come to all the time with things and and part of it again it's a very complicated thing but we know and we've seen through experience and through working with tons of people that a part of that is this underlying sense of distrust or unbelievability that your kids have picked up by realizing that you're not always playing straight with them and that you know, kids, people ask us all the time about our kids because we really have really great teenagers. We do. I mean, they're amazing. And one of the, pos- the, the most amazing parts about it is that they still look to us as leaders for advice, guidance. Like, they want that. It's not where in many teenage relationships they don't want to turn to their parents or young adults or 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 adults adults, yeah yeah. as young adults um they start they start going away they just they discredit their parents what they're saying and they really pull away where our kids have not pulled away at all they have actually done the opposite in fact our two oldest especially as they've gone out on their own in the world and you know started working and doing other things and interacting they come back to us saying wow like you guys really have it together. You really know what you're talking about. I, I, I need and want your advice. We just barely met up. On the Scotland trip we went on, we, our oldest son came and visited with us for two days on the trip. And, I mean, I walked with him and had a conversation where he was basically like, I need more of you guys in my life. Like, I haven't had enough the past six months. I need more of your advice. I want to make sure that I have your guidance because, I, you know, I want to make sure I turn my life turns out as good as possible and I know that you at least have some of those answers meaning that we've been straight with them about what we've learned what works what doesn't work and he's able to see it play out in our own life not that we have all the answers not that we know everything not that we're perfect none of that is true but we've been working hard to figure out what works and what doesn't work, and we've always been straight with our kids about it. Now that started, and this is where we make the connection here in a way, with us not telling them things that weren't true, which for us included something like Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. Like, yeah, we got it that people like to do it and it's fun and all of that. I get well, the side my, of that. My guess is that the vast majority of you listening um, probably did the whole Santa Claus thing with your kids. Right. And it's cool. We're, we're not here to condemn. But what we decided, like, wait a minute, that's, for us, our, our unique perspective on this was like, that's a straight-up lie. I'm sitting here convincing my innocent, believing children. Who believes everything I say. They're hanging on every word. Like we are their parents. I'm sitting here doing this whole charade to convince them to believe in something that's totally untrue. And then when they find out, so and, and we might think, oh, it's harmless, like ah, everybody did it. It's been doing it's for generations, like ah, what a no big deal. But there's a neural connection that's imprinted, that's recorded in their heads of like, wait a minute, they put on this huge act for years to convince me of something that's totally untrue. Right. And wow. And perhaps maybe for me as as well, it was something that I could easily see was not beneficial for our children because I vividly remember my own time when I found out that Santa Claus wasn't real like you know I was in kindergarten that's when I found out because I went to school 
and talk to other kids. And I came home one day after a kid had told me at school that Santa Claus wasn't real. And I went to my mom and I said, Mom, is Santa Claus real? And she said, go talk to your dad. <laughs> and I went to my dad and he sat me down and he said, well, what do you think? Do you think Santa Claus could really fly, you know, fly around the world and one night, blah, blah, blah? And I was like, well, no. And part of me was saying, well, no, I never thought that that was real. Like, I always thought that didn't make any sense. But you had told me, this exactly. is the conversation I had in the back of my head, you had told me that it was true. The people I trust the most in my life keep telling me that something that doesn't make any sense is true. Right. And so, obviously, as a six-year-old, I couldn't articulate that, but I still remember that. I remember that feeling and that sense of like, no, I didn't think that that was true. I didn't think that that was possible. But everyone but around me had me. gone to yeah. such a great, you know, ex had made all this effort to make me believe that that was true. Right. And so it's something that's interestingly always stuck with me. So when we started raising our own kids, I just thought, well, no, I'm not. Like, it's fun. We can pretend. We can play. And my, uh, my oldest daughter, I ironically enough she wanted to pretend and she knew he wasn't real but loved to pretend that he was yep. and I was like okay yeah we That's can great. pretend that yep. this is from Santa Claus or whatever um, and the rest of my kids have never really cared at all they just thought I don't care if I get presents I don't care who it comes from right well but it's kind of ironic too is like so many um, Christians especially are, are they, they want Christmas to be about Christ but they put on this huge performance about Santa Mm -hmm. And and then they're like, well, I want to be more about Jesus. They're like, well, we'll stop putting so much emphasis on Santa. So there's there's another incongruence there. Right. You want it to well, be about Jesus, and and yet it, the excitement, the hype, the big story, all the all the to do for a whole month is about Santa Claus. Which, and I know that there are people that go to the effort to not do that, but my six, no, my nine year old. She might have been younger when she said this, but she said something to me. She's like, well, how do I know, you know, that Jesus is real? And for me, that was one of the reasons I never wanted to pretend that Santa Claus was real because I never wanted them to say, oh, well, if you're lying to me about Santa Claus, how do I know you're not lying about Jesus, right? Yep. And so I, that was one of the reasons why I always wanted to be straight about it. Like this, as far as I know, is make-believe. This, as far as I know is real. So if I believe in Jesus and that he was a real person, I'm going to be honest about that and I'm not going to like have the same energy, effort, excitement, passion about something that I know is not real, right? I'm not going to do that about Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. We can read the stories and we can, you know, have fun with it knowing that it's make-believe, knowing that it's a story. In fact, I have a book about the history of how Santa Claus came to be and I read it every year because I find it interesting about all the different Saint Nicks and this and that and the other. I find that all very fascinating and I share that with the kids and it's okay that that's, that's a story thing but we need to know that that's a story and our kids need to know that that's a story and not that that's real. And while that may seem insignificant in some ways. I truly believe that it's that type of attitude that we've had and approach that we've had to our kids that has laid the foundation for them as young adults to say, you know what, I believe everything you say. I know you don't know everything, but I know that you're going to tell me what you believe is you, true. Yeah, you and will tell it to be me straight. straight with me. Yep. There's not going to be any deception or, in, in the, the next level of this is exaggeration. Yeah. Or... You know, we're kind of, uh, what's the word? What's the term where you just kind of, you take something that's true and you... Uh, embellish it. Embe yeah, there's no embellishment. It's like, just be straight with us. Yeah. And then they're going to come and say, look, I'm, I'm going to ask your opinion because I know you'll be straight with me. Exactly. That's, that's, that's gigantic it's trust. Huge. I think it's huge. Now, along with the lines of no embellishment, because, yeah, that's another thing we do is we, we're not embellishing on the truth. We're not exaggerating things more than they are like we're just we just say this is where it's at and this is what it is and this is real and this is not this is make-believe but part of that too is we're all we're always following through on what we do say and I know we've talked about this before but I think it's an important connection so that if we say something like hey if you do this I'm going to do that well we follow through with that yes. we do it and so it go it kind of goes along with this entire idea of being truthful and honest with your kids, that includes keeping your word. So yep. when you say something, you do it. 
you actually follow through so that they learn to know, first, you're going to tell me the complete truth. And second, if you tell me something that you're going to do something, you are going to do it. Yeah. Well, man, we could hit. I kind of want to have a little straightforward list here. But one, like number number one, fundamental, don't lie. Do Just don't lie to your kids. And if they ask something that's tough or awkward or might even be like they're not ready for it, they may yeah. be too young or mature, just give them a straight answer and tell them you'll tell them it's like you know i'll i'll tell you later or tell them look i'll explain it in a simple way i'll give you more details later on when you're older but i'll answer that question don't avoid it don't make crap up don't 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 tell tell them about the stork when there's not a stork i was like there's no stork (laughs) don't don't lie about that crap now one way that i one way that i approach things like that is i tell them as much as they want to hear and I start by giving a very simplified version. And then if they keep asking questions, I add a little bit more. And then if they keep asking more questions, I add more information. But once they stop asking questions, they're, they're good. their question has been answered. Yeah, they'll ask again later when they need more information. But, on you know, as long as they keep asking, I'll keep giving more. And once they stop asking, then I stop giving. I'm not going to now go into the full right. detailed, like, So when your five-year-old's like, where do babies come from? Don't give a doctoral dissertation about reproductive organs. Right, like, exactly. Like, way too much. I start with the, sim- the yeah. basics. They come, they grow in my belly, and then I give birth to them. And then if that's enough, great, they're done. They're done yeah. for now. So that's one way of approaching that. But you're being honest, but you're not being overly... You're not sharing you, more than yeah. You, you can overshare, so now that's not the same when your kids are tweens and teens, and you're still undersharing. Like, oh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to that later, kids. And you got a seventeen-year-old that knows nothing about it because you're like, yeah, you're not ready. I it really what I'm it is like. Ready. I'm not ready to tell you. Exactly. Like, you got to be straight with them. And and that is kind of the hard, uncomfortable part. I mean, again, on this trip, it had happened a couple times. My daughter overheard someone using the word puberty. She's nine. And so while we're hiking with the group in the forests of Highland, of Scotland, she says, what's, d-? randomly, she was saying something else, and then she said, what's puberty, right? <laughs> and I just gave her a straight answer. I just said, you know, that's when your body starts changing. That's when women, girls start growing breasts. And that was enough for her at the time. She's like, oh, okay. And she kept going so on her on. hike. Yep, that was a straight answer. But, but I gave a straight answer, and I didn't just downplay it and be like oh don't talk about that you know we'll, we'll have to come up with that later like yeah I didn't want to answer the question in front of everyone but I did because I didn't want her to think it's not something she can ask right and yeah don't avoid answering questions right. give them give them answers or, or the again you're creating these neural connections that's gonna that's they're subconsciously trust. making all these neural connections that are connected to you right so your behavior your interaction with them what you say what you don't say and people make crap up all the time. Like, oh, if you don't say this specific prayer before you get on an airplane, it's going to crash. Like, no, it's not. Like, don't say things like that. And don't or, teach your kids things don't, like that. Or the other one's like, you cannot eat food until you've blessed it. If you don't bless it, you probably get sick. That is not true. <laughs> and, and yet with good intention, you keep teaching these things that just aren't true so then or like the only good people are christian people or or whatever i mean that's just something i've heard and then then when people get out and they have experiences they're outside of what you've been saying they're like those people are full of crap and you never ever ever want your own children to think you're full of crap exactly because then that creates other problems it creates faith crises it creates you know rebellion. rebellion of course um, that was another interesting conversation we had, too, in the car. My nine-year-old, again, was sitting up front with us. And I don't know how it came up or what we were talking about, but somehow we got on the topic of Muslims. And one of our friends said something about the Muslims being, you know, that I don't even remember. It was something about Muslims, some Muslims being kind and, and loving and patient. And she's like, 
But all Muslims are like that, right? This was after we had spent three months living in Turkey and then in Egypt, and her interaction with all the Muslims there was that was they're very kind and loving unbelievable. people. Unbelievable. And I thought, well, yeah, she doesn't have that view that a lot of people do of Muslims being violent and, you know, like ISIS or whatever that, that many people do have. And I thought, yeah, that's her viewpoint. She, from her own experience, has seen, you know, this is what most Muslims are like kind and loving and, and, and generous and, and family-oriented, that's her worldview. That's just kind of a side Literally, since there, she but. was tiny, yeah. when she was tiny, I'd put her in a backpack. We were living in Morocco, and she and I, she'd get fussy, and so I'd go walk for miles through mm -hmm. the Medina and the suits, yeah. and Marrakesh. people would stop and give her the little the little kiss on the cheek mm -hmm. and give her gifts. They would, like, whenever I walked past, they'd stop, stop, oh, no. oh she's so beautiful, and they'd mm -hmm. kiss her cheek, and they'd reach over and grab a grape or an orange or an apple or, or pomegranate. pomegranate, anything, a date, and give it to her, right, from the, from some random shopkeeper. And the shopkeeper was like, oh, blessings, blessings. I mean, so from, from yeah. very, very little, mm -hmm. she has had this neural connection, this recording in her being of these wonderful Muslim people. Right. And so her immediate response to whatever was said was, well, that's what all Muslims are like, right? So and I did have to say, well, there are some that aren't like that. Right, because it would be dishonest for right. us to say all of them are kind. Yes, But exactly. it's also dishonest if we're like, oh, Muslims are terrorists. Exactly. That's an outright lie. Right. Or all Mexicans are this way, or all, I mean, whatever. Any kind of mm -hmm. racism, any kind of prejudice like that, it's, it's actually a dishonesty. Right. So you get some kind of little fixed mindset about it, and you tell your kids that, you're lying to them. Yeah, and they're going to... You don't think you're lying to them, and but you're you are trying to lie to them. Yes, but I guess that's where I'm going to be frank here. Right. You are. You're lying. So if you embellish something, you make something up, you say some little cute, trite thing, and you think it's just being cute or whatever, you're lying. If you take your, you try to convince your kids, you take them snipe hunting, that there really are snipes, you're lying. Or jackalopes. Yeah. Or Let's go find a jackal. Like all, all, I have no problem being imaginative and playful with my kids. Like, I'll tell them, like, hey, unicorns aren't real. Let's go look for unicorns. And we're wandering through the woods, jumping over things, chasing. We're looking for unicorns that they know full well don't exist. But So we, we have no problem with play and imagination. Right. But I'm not lying to them. Well, yeah, we're always straightforward. We will tease our kids and we'll be playful with our kids. But we tell them, like, oh, no, we're just Because they'll say, wait, is that real? Is that true? And we're like, no, we're just teasing, but let's pretend. You know, I remember something when I was young. My grandpa used to always tell me, like, oh, don't swallow a watermelon seed because yeah. it's going to grow into a watermelon in your belly, you know? And and I remember the adults around me full-heartedly trying to convince me that that was true. It oh, did was you really happening. Seed? Oh, no, now it's going to grow. And I remember being worried about it as a Yeah, kid. exactly. And so it's those types of things that we think are fun and playful and harmless but unless the kids, especially young kids, the younger they are, the more they just believe whatever you say. They have a hard time distinguishing between truth and reality already. And so if you tell them, they just believe it. Yep. And so we have to be very honest with them. And that doesn't mean we can't be playful. We can't say that. But then when they say, really? You say, no, I'm just yep. teasing. That won't really happen. So you can use your imagination and you can... We can create things. We can make and go, believe that that would believe. happen, but then. And I go all in with that. Yeah. But they know full well this is just a game. Exactly. We're playing. Right. And uh, let's let's just go on with with other harder truths. Um, uh, adultery. Somebody in your family commits adultery. Somebody in your family commits suicide. Somebody in your family makes really bad decisions. And um, alcoholism, uh, abuse, or uh, drugs. Be straight. Now, the littler ones may not need all the details, but be straight with them. When there's been things like that in our extended families, we've, we've just told them, like, yeah, this is, this is what happened. Now, that doesn't mean we're being condemnatory right. or that we're being judgmental per se, but we're, we, because of all the research we have done in human psychology and behavior and peak performance and, like, what actually works and what actually doesn't work, we're being honest about, yeah, if you do these types of things, this is generally what happens. Yep. And this isn't judging so-and-so. This is simply saying, oh, well, I've noticed this with them, and I've noticed it in these other people, too. When you do these things, it leads to these outcomes. Yep. When you do drugs, it leads to this. When you do this, it leads to that. 
we're very straightforward with that without condemning the person. We're not saying they're a bad person. We're not saying that they have no worth or value. We're not saying, you know, we're not saying anything about them. We're just simply saying that these behaviors, these actions produce these types of results. And that, I think, also is very important. It's hard for us to do that as people and parents sometimes because we can feel that it's gossiping. And we're always clear with that with our kids. Like, in fact, they kind of laugh sometimes because we're like, we're not gossiping. We are talking about this behavior leading to these outcomes. Now, this we like, love remember, this person. Oh, go ahead. You know, they have all of these admirable qualities. But we want you to be clear that these types of actions often lead to these types of outcomes. And, and when, uh, when our kids were younger, we, we had some great family friends, and the kids adored them, and then they got divorced. And he's like, well, why, why aren't they together anymore? Why aren't they married anymore? And it was because of a pornography problem. So it's just, it's just a straight answer. Like, oh, he, he looks at pornography, and that ruined their marriage. So it wasn't like, oh, they don't get along anymore. Oh, they just decided not to be together anymore. Like, bull. Be there, straight up. There are causes yeah. to the things that happen. And we and want so them to know. It's like they, they made some choices that, that, that have consequences. So our kids get it. And we're not, and we're real about what's happening in the world, too. And, and I talk to them about the human trafficking problem and that kind of stuff. And I'm not scaring them. I'm not. Okay, here's another thing. Parents love to use scare tactics because they right. think that's the way to convince my kids not to do bad things or be careful is by using these massive scare tactics. And, and again, at the end of the day, it's dishonesty. It's a lie. You, mm-hmm. You're exaggerating something or, no, if you do that, you'll die. If you do that, this will happen. It's like, no, it's not, that's not true. Right. And, it, and it's, but it, in, that, in that framework there or with that in mind, it is okay to say that, what you know, there's a, a chance you could die. It's not high. You know, if there is something that is actually dangerous, then, yeah, be honest with it. But if it's something that <laughs> there's little to no chance of death, well, don't use death as the threat or the exactly. scare tactic, yep. like you were saying. You have to be straight. And being straight means not being overly, um, over-exaggerating the risks, nor under-exaggerating them. Yep. And that's another thing, too. Like Another thing people have asked is, like, how do you allow your kids to do all these risky and dangerous things? Because they've seen our, our boys doing flips and jumps and jumping off roofs into swimming cliffs pools and, and cliffs yeah. and all of this. And they're like, how do you do that and how do you stay safe? Well, one of the reasons is we don't over or under exaggerate the risks. And we teach them to appropriately gauge the risks so that they learn for themselves to look at a situation as it is and determine how risky it may or may not be, Ooh. and whether or not they have the skills to be able to handle that risk. I thought of a, a perfect example. When our oldest daughter turned 18, she wanted to go skydiving. Mm-hmm. Desperately wanted to go skydiving. I think it was like the week before mm-hmm. she turned 18. We were going to go to a skydiving company in Georgia, and an 18-year-old girl, her Went parachute skydiving didn't open. On her birthday. Yep. And they died. And she died. And so that was just a few miles from our house with the skydiving company we were going to we go to. We were going to use. And so uh, we had a choice. Do we not say anything? Do we exaggerate it? Like, what do we do? Right. And we were just straight with them. Like, hey, we, we were going to go to skydiving um, on your birthday, which is in a week. A girl just went for her 18th birthday, and her parachute didn't open. We don't know what happened, but they died. And so my daughter was like, yeah, let's not go. Right. <laughs> and yet our whole family uh, has since gone skydiving. And well, we love skydiving. she actually didn't go. She didn't go because she, she was somewhere else. she wasn't with us. Yeah. And so she's like the only one who hasn't gone. Right. <laughs> Even but, our younger kids have gone. Right. And, but again, you're just going to be straight. You're going to be honest. You're not going to exaggerate. You're not going to under Right. You're not um, going to hide explain. the realities of things. But you're just going to tell them as they are. Um, another example was our son does parkour, our oldest son, and we went to a castle in Latvia, Lithuania, and he wanted to do a trick where you run up the wall and you do a backflip, and we were standing there, I was going to record it, and he just kept testing it, and I could just tell, he just felt like it wasn't right, the angle, everything wasn't right, and he, you know, he just decided not to do it, and we, you know, we fully supported that, we weren't going to say, oh, what's wrong? Like, oh, you, you can you do scared it. You scared me, chicken. It's like no, you get to gauge whether or not you yeah. have the skills or feel that you are 
comfortable taking this risk. Yeah. And I think that oh, that's... Oh, you're a wimp if you don't do this. You're a baby. That's not true. Again, right. Like, we've got to be more responsible with our language. Right. If you, you, you want to try to teach your children to see the world around them and to gauge it appropriately, and if they feel like they can't or shouldn't do something, then that's up to them to decide. And I think that we've, we have encouraged that from a young age. We encourage them to take risks, quote-unquote, whether that's climbing a tree or jumping off something or whatever, but if they honestly felt like they weren't ready or they weren't capable, then we supported that. Now, we may or have realized... Or if we saw they weren't ready yeah, or capable, absolutely. we would say that. Absolutely. Or the opposite. Hey, no, you're ready. You can do this. Yeah, exactly. So that they know we're there too, we're there supporting them, we're also looking out for them, and we're not going to encourage them to do something that they're not ready or able to do, and we're going to tell them whether they are or not, you know, based on our own... Ooh, I thought of another example that I've seen so many times. If you come up and say, how do I look in this? Mm -hmm. Or my kids are like, hey, how does this look? I'm going to be honest, mm -hmm. right? And I've seen again and again and again, with good intentions, moms or friends are like, oh, no, oh, this, oh, you are that, oh, woo, wow. And they, they don't want to speak the truth. And they'll even, right behind their back, be like, oh, that looks terrible. Or, oh, they look, oh, wow, that's bad. But they won't. Mm -hmm. Like, you could walk up with a huge booger, and you're like, do I look good? Oh, my goodness, you look fantastic. It's amazing. Oh, everything's great. And then later you find out, like, you had a huge booger, and nobody said anything. <laughs> and my, my fly was down. Like, why didn't you tell my fly was down? I did. I was awkward. I didn't want you to right. feel bad. And you're like, oh, so you lied to my face. Because you don't want to be awkward or whatever. Yeah. And, and I get that. It is awkward. But we will be straight with them. Not rude. Not yeah. mean. Just straight. And I think all of us are fully aware of that because we have, we all do it in our family. We go around saying, how do I look? Does this look good on me? And we're all straight with each other. We'll say, yeah, no, that looks great. And sometimes we have different opinions, you know. Some of us might think it looks great and the other doesn't. But which is great. We're being honest. Yeah, we're being honest. Yeah. We're being straightforward of like, no, this is great. This You look good or you don't look good in that outfit or whatever. And even my nine-year-old, she's like so good at this already that I can go to her. And I know, like I trust her advice. I'll be like, Sage, how's this outfit look? And she'll be like, nah, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. And <laughs> she just knows and tells it to me straight, you know. And it's awesome. And we haven't encouraged dishonesty in her. Or right. in any of them. Which can become uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> Back to this conversation. In certain, in certain situations, you know. And it's difficult because there is a fine line between being nice and being dishonest, yeah. right? And there's a fine line between being mean and being honest. Yeah. And sometimes... Being honest feels like we're being mean sometimes, and so we avoid it. I think even with our own kids, we want to avoid it because we don't want to be mean. Well, we avoid it with ourselves. Right. Like if we're fat, we, we won't even use the word fat. And it's we, we offensive. Well, we won't even use it with ourselves. We right. Won't, you don't say, no, I'm fat. Like this is fat. This, this chunk right here, like this is fat, and I'm fat. I'm overweight. Mm -hmm. And we'll even use overweight soft. Like, no, like. Which I if, gotta burn this. If what Greg is saying now even bothers you, well, go listen to our podcast episode about body shaming, yep. and you'll understand why fat is actually just a signal from your body that something's off and yeah. needs to be addressed. That's leading to disease. Right, and so we need to have that honest. Like, that no, honesty. Like, fat is fat. Like, yeah, you got too much fat on your body. Which you can means go measure it. It's a percentage. You should be in a healthy range, and if you're over that range, you're fat. Which means that you are. Facing future long-term yep. consequences. And again, th this comes back to our honesty with our kids. And I actually wanted to touch on this because cause you mentioned sometimes that, you know, people tr scare tactics, trying to scare kids and different things. I have found that this approach that we take of being straightforward and honest with the with our kids, like it, it I think it actually helps them feel that the world is more in their control than Absolutely. they realize. Because Absolutely. when you start to make connections for people, when you start to make connections for your kids, that there is cause and effect. Somebody didn't just commit suicide because 
they were unlucky or they had a bad day. There was a long sequence of choices and thoughts and actions and behaviors that led to that outcome. It wasn't just random. Same with disease. Same with like so many things. When you start to make connections for your kids, I know this is true for me and I know it's true for them, like you begin to see that there's patterns in the world. There are patterns. There are certain actions that lead to certain results. And when you understand that, you actually feel like you have a lot more control over your life, over your actions, of course, over the outcomes and results you achieve. And so I think it feels a lot safer. Yep. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not tragedy sometimes and there's not things that happen to you out of your control. But and overall... stupid mistakes you make that exactly. you should be honest with. Right. Stupid mistakes that you'll make, that's still going to happen. And tell your kids that. Don't be like, oh, yeah, I'm having a bad day. Like, no, I made a really bad decision. And it's there are right. major consequences to this. Exactly. Um, but when they have that framework, again, it comes back to this trust. You feel like you have a lot more trust for yourself, for the people around you, for God, for the universe, like there's a lot more trust when you feel like there's more in your power than you realized. Yep. Man, we have just, so the invitation today for all of us is just really examine how responsible you're being with your language and your words in every aspect. We've tried to share a lot of examples here, but just examine, say, where, where aren't we being completely honest or transparent or truthful where where do we put on charades and a big act and a facade or where am i wearing a mask and if i guess the mask thing's a big one because they can often see past the mask Mm -hmm. and you're putting on this mask and they're like that's bogus like you're pretending that everything's great in your marriage when they can clearly see it's not Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, what's up? Oh, no, everything's fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. You're like, no. You're, now, not only are things not fine, you're lying right to my face. That gets recorded. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when you need some influence with them, that influence bank account is overdrawn. Right. And that, so be honest. And that doesn't mean that you need to share everything with your children because they're not meant to carry the full burden of yep. adult responsibility. But yep. you can share enough kind of back to the previous thing of talking about sex or whatever other topic share enough that it's real and it's true but it's not oversharing. it's not more than they need or want at this time so you know if my kids see me crying or something i'll tell them like oh it's this thing which is a part of it but you know it's also true and so that they know i'm being honest with them and that i also can be sad or upset about things and that's okay and we work through it and we resolve it and whatnot but i'm not just like oh everything's fine it's because they're they're watching they're observing way more than they even can say or articulate Mm -hmm. they're they're picking up on everything and parents sometimes are more clueless than their kids believing that the kids aren't picking up they're not noticing like (laughs) you're out of your mind if you think your kids don't know that something's up and so work with them and as they're as they're mature and and talk through it and, and help them see help them see your results and tie your 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 results to your actions for them help them make those connections Mm -hmm. and and again if you're a big talker they can see your results and they can hear your words and they know well enough that like this doesn't line up up. they don't this doesn't match up so any incongruence in your life they're going to see that so if you just talk and talk and talk endlessly about being healthy and you're an unhealthy person and you're out of shape they're gonna be like hmm okay something there and if you're like oh you know this and that abundant whatever money 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 and they're like yeah but you're broke or the opposite this one's interesting um it wasn't until one of my coaching clients like he was i can't remember he was i think he was like married and like having kids before he ever realized his parents were loaded but this whole childhood they, they had millions of dollars and they acted like they were broke they put on this big thing. They wanted their children to believe. And again, it was with good intentions. Like, we don't want our kids to love money or that riches are evil. So it's like this wrong fixed mindset. So we want our children to think we're poor. 
And so they put on this huge straits. They had millions of dollars in the bank account, but they always acted poor. Oh, we can't afford that. We can't do that. You know, you got to work for things. And it was with good intentions to teach your kids to work, but you were lying the whole time. So then when you grow up, you're like, they lied to me. Right. For you decades. Feel, you feel betrayed. And, I mean, betrayal is one of the worst things that can happen to you. And so you never want your kids to grow up and feel that they were betrayed by their parents mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, that's just not a good situation to be in if you ever want to have a long-term relationship with your kids and to have long-term influence with them. So be honest about your health. Be honest about your finances. Be honest about your relationships. Be honest about the work you do and, and why it works or why it doesn't. Be honest about mistakes you've made in the past or mistakes you're making. Be honest about like what's working, what's not working, and, and who you're becoming. Be, just be honest, and it's so powerful. I, I think that one thing I always do is whenever I'm going to say something to my spouse or my kids especially, it, it's almost it's automatic now, but it's this little internal check, like, is this true? Is this truth? Am I speaking truth? And I, I would like to say never, although that, we're trying to be responsible with our language, you know, I'm sure once in a while, I never speak falsehood. So I don't care what that is. If my kids come to me, they ask for something, they ask me a question, I'm going to speak what I believe is true. Now, sometimes I have to get creative with that, so I can speak truth without revealing too much. For example, say, we're making love, and my kids knock on the door. I don't tell them that's exactly what we were doing, but I might say something like, I'm naked right now, right? Which is true, but it's all they need to know. So I'm speaking truth. I'm being truthful. I am saying what is true, but I'm giving them what they need, not everything that they don't need, right? But if you can make that a, w- a part of your way of being, I think that that just builds this healthy foundation for having this relationship of trust, that you you just have this very strong, healthy relationship of trust with your spouse, with each of your children, where they just know you're honest with me. You tell me exactly how it is, and you're not going to lie to me. And then you have influence. And, and then you, have, you have influence and power and with your children. And then they listen to you. Yeah, exactly. And they want to do what you ask because they know that you're only asking or you're only asking what's best for them. Yep. And you, you wouldn't lie to them or deceive them to, or manipulate them to with some kind of story. To try to get them story. to do what you want them yeah, to do. Yeah, you're like, hey, if I, ask, if I ask my kids to do something, they're like, okay, there's a reason here. He's not, he's not trying to manipulate me. There's no, all, no motive here. Like, they're not trying to guess, like, what does mom really want? Mm-hmm. Like, what's going on? She's like, no, if, if she wants mm-hmm. this done, like, okay, she right. wants this done. There's no... She's not trying to play weird, a game with you. Yeah, you're not playing these weird mental games or emotional right. things. To try to get me to do the thing you want me to do. You're just telling me how it is. And and this is the other part of it, too. I know we've explained it in other coaching. Like, if our kids ask us, well, why are you asking me to do this? We give them an answer. Right. We have a real answer, one that makes sense. That, yep. Like, this is why. And then they say, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then they do it because it does make sense. Or, which also happens, they say, well, that doesn't make sense, and here's why. And they sometimes talk me out of it where I'm like okay yeah you're right doesn't make sense I guess you don't have to do that one and and like you alluded to earlier I maybe one of the most important things is just keeping your word mm-hmm. if you if you say you're going to do something do it like if you commit something keep the commitment mm-hmm. and stop talking so much and let your results do the talking Prove your honesty with your actions. And just be just be straight. I think you'll find, and again, you're, we're, we're not condemning you as evil, malicious people, but I think you'll find there's probably lots of instances of dishonesty. That you weren't, it's not intentional, but you're like, ooh. And sometimes it's subconscious. Yeah, you're like, man, I've, I've been saying that for a long time. I've been doing that, and it's not true. Mm-hmm. I've been, been painting this picture that's inaccurate. Right. And so bring it back. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be overly blunt. You, you just be honest. And honesty will lead to trust. 
Huston's influence and you will be a much more effective parent and leader. Boom. Okay, love you guys. Thanks for listening. Reach out for me.